You pressed play on this podcast with the click of curiosity. It is another dimension, a dimension of mind, a dimension where nothing is sacred and everything is explainable. You're streaming into a land of both inside and outside of things and ideas. You've just crossed over into the midside. Welcome to the midside where we'd rather live a week without air conditioning then deal with another possible mask mandate. I'm, of course, referring to the difference between life in California and Florida, whereas right now I have no air conditioning, so I'm going to be sweating a lot while recording this episode in my closet, as I always say. But at least I'm not living in Los Angeles County like my co-host is, dealing with potential mask mandates coming back because the cases are going up a little bit. They're not even talking about deaths anymore. They're talking about uh, just cases in general. We can't have any cases in general. We have to put on masks. But what you're probably wondering if you're a new listener here, who I am. I'm your host, Justin M. Wozneski, the hopeful bromantic. And I retroactively and proactively denounce anything anyone has ever said and ever will say on this show. And I probably should have said that before I started ranting a little bit about COVID protocols, because that'll surely get me canceled. You know who is also going to get canceled or has been canceled? I don't know. How do you even know nowadays if you've been canceled? I feel like being canceled is like this weird in-between ground where you're like, they say you're canceled, but like you're still living. So like, how can you be canceled if you're living? Anyway, joining me this trip from Dale's Lawn, identifying as a woman to forgo his white male gay privilege, William Green. Hello, hello. Yes, I identify as both canceled and not canceled, Um, much like I identify as a woman. So, Isn't uh, it funny what you just said, right? The idea that like gender, there can't be a gender binary. Like there's all sorts of like fluidity, but there's no fluidity to like if you should be canceled or not. That's true. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I, I I think uh, I think I'm also irrelevant. Like that's the uh, that's the, that's the um, you know the Zoomer uh, insult, the worst Zoomer insult, right? Forget uh, forget all the other insults you can come up with, right? But, That's uh, the Zoomer scale, right? Is yeah, there yeah. is there a Kinsey cancellation scale? <laughs> I don't know. We'll have to figure it out. Um, yeah. Uh, good fights uh, yesterday. Uh, watched the, some UFC. Had some folks over. My uh, friend was in town, uh, my business partner, and he made tacos. Uh, carne asada tacos on my my flat top grill, my out- outdoor flat top grill. So uh, I'm a little bit tired today. The, I've got things mostly cleaned up. Went to bed about 1 o'clock. But uh, here we are on the show, and uh, boy, do we have a lot to talk about this week. A lot to talk about, not talking about the fights. For a second, I thought you were talking about WWE, because, brief follow-up, Vince McMahon did in fact retire because of those allegations, so oh, wow. a lot of craziness going on, yeah. So that's why at first so I thought you were talking them? about. Is that what that means? I, can cancel? you cancel yourself? Like, if you're just like, you know what, I'm a billionaire, and I've had lots of immoral sex and i just don't want to deal with this anymore so i'm stepping away I'm getting, like i'm getting that it? drop i've had lots of immoral sex <laughs> <laughs> do not take that drop because that is the opposite of straight edge uh, that's what makes it funny all right and we've got a lot of stories that are the opposite of straight edge this week so let's get into it it's time for life on the midside take a good look around just like a Cause I'm on a roll here, I hope that you make some sense I hope that you throw up your hands and sing it And tell all the haters that they should just shut up 
As always, if you'd like to support the show, you can do so through Patreon or Locals. Patreon is per episode. Locals is per month. That's themidside.com slash Patreon, themidside.com slash Locals. We accept any and all support, including affirmations. And William, you want to know one of my favorite things about our plugs? That they're short. Do you ever That's listen true. to a podcast and like the plug for a the ad, the read, whatever you want to call it for a product goes on for like two minutes? Yeah. And you're like, I already got all the information I need. Like even a minute would have been enough, but yeah. they'll keep going. Yes. I think it's per- it's it's very uh, prevalent on YouTube as well. Sometimes you'll see like there'll be a quick read or a quick sponsor. Or other times it's like in the, all of a sudden in the middle of the video, there's like a 14 minute HelloFresh like demonstration where they're cooking. And I'm like, this has nothing to do with. And in fact, it's completely opposite of something that, that I was watching that was really gross. And now you're talking about cooking and food like this is not good. Not good marketing. Yeah, Terrible marketing. I love that you said that phrase because uh, that's a the, it's like you read the show notes. So that's that's the perfect transition into the first thing I want to talk about here is this is something that actually came to me uh, via my wife. Because she was telling me about something, and I couldn't believe how fucking stupid this is, William, right? So over the pandemic, we saw Peloton's stock go up, right? And so many people were buying these at-home bikes. Peloton is not only an at-home exercise bike, but it's a streaming service to go along with that. And what that means is there are new classes introduced every day. So not only do you pay for the bike, but you pay for a subscription, you know, like you do for Disney Plus or, or Netflix or Hulu or any of these streaming services for these classes as well. So it's super, super convenient. And the and the price point isn't bad at all, right? You No interest, $60 a month for the bike, which, hey, you can afford that. And if you're someone who works out a lot, that's not bad. And then you pay like $50 a month for the streaming service, which considering the number of classes you get and how much an exercise class is in general, that's a pretty good deal. Now, what's farcical about this is not Peloton, but their competitor. One of the competitors of, of Peloton is SoulCycle, where especially in more leftist, more blue areas, we'll say blue. Let's use the word blue, William. More blue areas, people used to go to spin studios before the pandemic. Spin studios are places where the... Exercise bikes are Yeah, there's a live instructor. Yeah, yeah. The exercise right. bikes are not, not necessarily networked or anything, but they're, but they're you're, yeah, you're in a, in a class. My gym, um, I, uh, I go to one of the uh, bougie gyms around here because uh, that's where my friends like to go, and it's actually – I actually really like it. Um, but, yeah, they have a spin class, and I, there's certain instructors that uh, I, I definitely wouldn't be inspired by. Let's just say that. But there's a live. Well, I wouldn't there. be inspired by any of it. I mean, some of the ridiculous things is like they tell you how much your life matters and how important you are. But then they're like, but squash your ego and everyone needs to sacrifice. And it's the so they tell these people contradictory things. Right. It's 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 on one hand, like really motivating because, it's you know, you're getting in shape and they're trying to make you work out. But on the other hand, they're killing any long term desire to work out because of the, the cultural yeah. aphorisms they're telling people. Yeah. It's ridiculous. And that's what, what soul cycle was, right? Cause my gym here, even in Florida, the crunch I go to, they have a spin studio, right? And it says spin and they have classes there every day, but soul cycle, their sole purpose is to run classes all day. 
and they have live instructors who, like you said, they, they DJ and they, they, they talk to you and they motivate you and they work out with you. And these people, like I did a few classes with, with my wife when we were still dating, we did a Turkey burn, which was like 90 minutes, uh, the day of Thanksgiving, the morning of, which, Hey, that's a good idea. It's a good marketing technique, right? But these classes, William, are $30 a pop. So if you go five days a week for a class, that's $150, correct? I know my math is bad with 77 versus 87 last episode. Is that correct? 150 Yes? Sure. Okay, sure. We'll go with that. Whereas, as I already said, 60 plus 50, right? 60 for the Peloton plus 50 for the uh, streaming service is 110. So already you can work out whenever you want and you're already saving money versus working out for a week. So SoulCycle is losing for this reason, right? You don't have to go anywhere. The equipment's top of the line, right? I mean, these bikes... For Peloton, they auto-adjust the resistance for you. Like, that's, that's, that's fucking amazing, dude. I remember like my mom doing sweat into the oldies, right? And you, you just put in a tape and it just played. And like if you fell behind, it didn't stop, right? Because it's just a tape. It's not responsive. It's not helping you at all. Like, look how much technology has increased. So SoulCycle's losing for these reasons. So they decided we need to do something. Which, okay, I get it. Your company. Their plan is, William... To get people to trade in their Pelotons, and then they'll get free packages, free classes for SoulCycle. So, William, if you had a Peloton, and you were going to trade in for classes from SoulCycle, how many classes from SoulCycle would you want? Do you think to make it fair? Man, it would have to be like four, right? Somewhere in there. Four? For a week, I mean, for a week. From like Right, months. for a week, right. right. Yeah. Right, so let's say 52 weeks times four, what's that? Two something, right? Yeah, 52 weeks. Aren't you supposed to be good at math? Like, don't I'm, you work with computers and I shit? I do, but I, I asked the computer to do it for me. <laughs> so, 208. 208, okay. And that's like considering if you only had your bike for a year, right? Because remember, yeah. these bikes are durable right? They're made to last a long time or until the next one comes out, right? <laughs> They're so, made to last until the next one comes out, exactly. <laughs> well, that's everything in our society. That's what I was saying about the subscription plan, people. Like, I had sympathy for that. I have sympathy for that because there's planned obsolescence now with everything, right? It's not like in the, the 50s, 60s, and 70s where everything was made to last, yeah. right? Where you bought something, it was like supposed to last your whole life. Now you buy something and they want you to, you know, be on the dole your whole life with it. Let's say Peloton's not doing that. It's supposed to last five years. This was SoulCycle's great idea. They decided they're going to have people trade in their bikes for Peloton, come to SoulCycle, and get compensated. And this is what they said. We're dead set on seeing you back with our pack, with your pack, so we're giving you the opportunity to trade in your bike for the equivalent value of in-studio classes at SoulCycle. That's a package of 47 classes added directly to your account. And they say that's one year. So I don't know what's the five weeks where they think they're not working out. And also, that's one day a week. Now, they do say 
this is open to only a hundred people, right? So only a hundred people are going to do this. But to me, that only increases the stupidity of this, William. Aren't they just drawing attention to the drastically different price points for their product and Peloton's product? Yeah, aren't they basically sort of begging just begging everyone to do the math and say, "Well, wait a minute." Right, and and trading it in don't, doesn't that mean you would still be paying on the bike from Peloton? I don't know. I don't know how that works. I don't know how the contract works with Peloton. Yeah, you understand what I'm saying, right? Like, because it's like because I think at first you're paying if you finance the bike, right? And you're just paying for the right. service and f- the financing of the bike. Right. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. I don't know. I would. Yeah. I would assume so. But there may be like if you don't want the bike anymore, send it back, and your your financing is finished. But I wouldn't think they would want to do that, right? That's not to to Peloton's advantage because we all know gyms trade on the idea of sign up for a monthly membership and then never show up and they're making free money off you same thing here right yeah yeah i just i just i don't understand this right like i think the idea of approaching this as like oh you know we're dead set on seeing you back with your pack and like come work out with the community like it's all about souls reunited like i think that's a great idea the idea that what they have to offer is community and other people with you and other people sweating with you and, and burning with you and working with you and, you know, pushing yourselves to the limits together. There's a bond there. There's a social aspect to it. I think that's a great way to approach it. But why, why would you draw people's attention to the fact that yours costs a shitload more than the other people who have a better product? So you're paying more for a lesser product. Why would you draw attention to that? I guess because we're talking about them at least. Maybe it's one of those, uh, well, this is bad marketing. No, no marketing is bad marketing? I don't know. It seems like a bad idea all the way around. Exactly. So, I mean, I think there's a shelf life on all of these things. That was one of the things my wife talked to me about. SoulCycle is obviously on the way out, right? Because who wants to pay $30 a month or $30 a day? Right when you don't have to, except the exorbitantly rich. But if they're all going over to Peloton, which it's more cost, you know, cost efficient, I think that's time limited. But I also think that the Peloton stuff's time limited too, because I don't think enough people are committed to working out. And it sort of has the Netflix problem, William, where we see Netflix has diminishing returns on the content they're creating. Yeah. Right. There's only a limited number of subscribers you can get. So you can't base your business model off of always growing subscribers. At a certain point, you have to either start charging more money to the people who are subscribed or paying less for the content. Well, it's the exact same thing with Peloton. Aren't these instructors who are filming these classes daily, aren't they going to demand more money at a certain point? Yeah, they're going to have to. I mean, it's the same thing with Netflix. Netflix's model is based on subscriber growth, right? And right. At, at some point when they're when they're just like the cable company, how how they're going to have to start limiting access to content because only if you I'm sure if you look at the distribution of like what content people are watching, you know, if, if people are only watching Seinfeld and Office reruns or or nothing, right? Then then I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Netflix, Netflix basic, Netflix premium sometime soon, right? Yeah, and it would be the same. You know, we see. I already see this with like Peacock, right? Where you can watch Peacock, but it has ads, 
or you can have Hulu, but it has ads, or you can have Hulu without ads, right? We already see this. Well, it's exactly what you're saying. The next logical progression, you can see this with Peloton too. Uh, who are the most popular instructors? Oh, we'll put them behind a paywall. So you can belong to Peloton, but if you want to you know, take Cody's classes, that'll be an extra $10 a month. Otherwise, you can't take Cody's classes. And that would be the way of supplementing that person's salary. Yep. yep. Right, and part of this goes back to the, the culture of celebrity and the culture of privilege and the idea that everybody thinks they're always have to be making more and you're always progressing. Right. And this makes me think of the, the next farcical thing I saw this week. And I'm going to be honest, William, I did not even read this article. I don't know if you read it. Do you have anything to say on this article? But Vogue published Portrait of Bravery, Ukraine's first lady. And excuse me for mispronouncing the name, even though I'm Eastern European, Olina Zelenska, although that was probably correct. Uh, this is a whole article in pictorial featuring the president of Ukraine and his wife and William, you know how we're critical of the idea of privilege and everything. I think the, the, the concept of privilege is actually legitimate. And I think this is a perfect portrayal of actual privilege. I the am idea still that when privileged your country in some is way. at war, Okay, yeah, we would have to talk to Daniel about what he meant by that, if he means what I'm saying. But that's exactly the point, right? This is actual privilege. Your country is at war. And you're literally going to be in an article called Portrait of Bravery? And you're going to take these pictures? What message does this send to your country, your citizens, in the long run? And I don't think we've ever had anything quite so audacious in our country but I do think we have elements of this when we talk about like AOC faking being handcuffed and things like that, right? This idea of this is what real privilege looks like. It's where the things that happen in the real world to the rest of us don't affect these people because they're utilizing their position, not for what they're supposed to, but to, again, remove themselves from the consequences of what's going on in the actual world. What do you think, William? I think uh, I just posted the picture I'm, I, 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 that that I looked at uh, and, and had the most to say about. This looks like um, uh, this is a picture of a, a blown up uh, aircraft or something. I think um, it's got the Ukrainian colors on it. We've got uh, Zelenska uh, holding her coat, and then four soldiers facing in various directions. It looks it looks like um, it looks like that Christian album Cartman uh, cover Cartman. Uh, uh, did in that in that episode where they did the Christian rock band, doesn't it? Like they're all four Base standing plus and looking one. different. Yeah, it, it looks like their cover, doesn't it? Yeah, it looks like that, like like in like a Christian music cover. Or this could also be on the set of Falling Skies. Ever see that show on TNT yeah. about the alien invasion? I could see this as like it looks like kind of like a movie set, doesn't it? Yeah. Yep. Why did Why did it stick out to you? Why did this picture stick out to you? Be- because it's. Like, I, it's it has to be, or it looks so manufactured. Yeah. Right. And I think that's the. I know that we're. There's a way to do this article and not make it feel so icky, right? This just feels so icky. 
I see the comparison now. He just William just dro- dropped Faith plus one in the in the the Discord right after the picture, and I, I I see what you're saying. I mean, I reject. Look, I reject making this article at all. Like, I think the article is very tone deaf. But I get what you're saying as well. Like, think about it. They had to pose these three soldiers. Yeah, that's that's like, and then they brightened this up and they tried to make it look like almost Instagrammable. I don't know, like, how disconnected are we from the actual consequences of war that that's this is what we're doing? Yeah, and she's so, like, even the first picture that's the cover, um, which the larger picture, you can tell, like, she's at, like, a maybe a food cache or something, right? There's a bunch of maybe sandbags or rice bags, hard to tell. Um, you know, kind of piled up in, the, in a... In a in a very nice, like, palace-looking or presidential house sort of looking thing. And it's like, I don't know, it, even that just sort of looks wrong, right? Like, there's a, there's a, like you said, there's a tone deafness to this. Like, this, you already have people that feel like this is very manufactured to begin with, right? And, um, and because it's, it's, it is being fought, like, it, it is being fought that we're, we're sort of, uh, being turned into, a. a you know, all war gets turned into sort of an us versus them sort of thing, right? And and, and in this case, there, this is this is trying to make. It's like we're trying to make pre-make these folks as a martyr, right? Like, how much longer? How how are these people still alive if this if if this is Russia's goal is to crush Ukraine? Yeah, I mean, this is, I think what you're pointing to is one of the things that the Hunger Games franchise got really correct, and it's one of the things that really sticks with me from the movies. Remember how after Katniss won, District 13 started using her in making propaganda? I think they called them popos or something. I forget what the terminology was in the the movie, in the book. But they started using her to film propaganda ads for the war effort. And it was very much like this, where they're trying to turn these people into icons rather than actually address the, the reality of, of what's going on here and what's actually existing in the world. And I think that's what's kind of crazy about all this when, you know, you say manufactured. Like, I look at these pictures and, I mean, you, that word, manufactured, when I look at these pictures, this is why people talk about things like the deep deep state and where they come up with things like conspiracies. So then you scroll down and there's a picture of the president sitting in the green chair and holding her hand in the background on the chair. There's like pictures of them. And it makes you go like, are these people actually the fucking president and first lady of Ukraine? Or is this just like a photo shoot to create figureheads? And I'm not saying that's actually what's going on, but I can understand why someone would think that from looking at things like this because they don't come across as serious people. Yeah, it's you know what the difference is. Like, let's imagine we've been told all along that how how media savvy, YouTube savvy, like Instagram savvy, whatever these uh, these two leaders are. Um, like I'm we talk about what made YouTube successful in the first place and why it's uh you know starting to fail and crumbling now is because for most content creators there was a genuineness right that 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 this authenticity that content creators have. And if they didn't have those, that authenticity, they would fail rather quickly. And you, then you get, you know, outsiders or people in traditional media try to come in and they don't get that authenticity piece. Like think like Brie Larson trying to come to YouTube and then her channel just like 
you know, bombing because they don't get the authenticity piece. A, either like in Brie Larson's case, she probably just can't be authentic because she's such a narcissist. But, but for other, for other folks, um, they, they can't, they, they don't see that it is about that authenticity. And this doesn't seem authentic because it's so manufactured. It just seems so inauthentic, right? I could say the, I could, I could have these same, I could see these same scenes, these same shots being taken like in like a Snapchat video or a, uh, or a TikTok even. And I don't even watch TikTok and having conversations about, I don't know, about these sandbags and how they're filling them or like what they're planning to do with whatever. And like, oh, they're disappointed about this, that, the other thing. And it'd be way more authentic and less manufactured. And, uh, and even like to sound cynical, even achieve the same, uh, uh sort of propaganda goals, right? But it, well, it's just it, that, it's because it's so manufactured, it, it doesn't connect with me, at least, uh, of anything other than like, what is going on? Like, this, this seems like something from a totalitarian regime. Well, right, exactly, exactly. Because it's, it's, it's what you connected with, you talked about Instagram savvy and inauthentic. And when you're talking about the authenticity for YouTube and content creation and then connecting that to Instagram, I, I think part of the reason Instagram is such a shithole nowadays is because the people on those accounts treat it like YouTube where they say, oh, I'm going to create content. I'm a content creator. You shouldn't be a content creator on Instagram, right? Shouldn't you be more authentic on Instagram than even on YouTube? Because YouTube, you have to make more longer form videos where you have some sort of content to it. Instagram is just snippets. And that's why I'm questioning the term Instagram savvy for these leaders of Ukraine. If you were really Instagram savvy, would you be posting snippets of the war effort and snippets of yourself looking like this? Instagram savvy has kind of become a term for just getting views on Instagram, not actually using the platform to communicate with people. And that's yeah. where the inauthenticity well, and, comes and, in. And we have to, we have to check ourselves a little bit. I don't want to, I don't want to, uh, uh, show, show, uh, show any undo, um, uh, assume any, uh, any, assume malice where there might be ignorance. Like how much of this is Vogue's fault? Right. Like if they, oh, if, yeah. if well, Vogue comes in and it's like, Hey, we want to do a photo shoot. And they're like, I mean, sure. We're at war. Anything to help the propaganda effort. Like, come on in. Right. And next thing they know, they're being posed in front of wreckage uh, in a faith plus one album cover photo shoot. Right. Oh, completely. And I, I mean, I think that that's the line of conspiracy theory or not. Right. I think that, and this actually goes to the movie vengeance, which I'm going to review. I think that you're looking at the reality of the situation. You're not trying to come up with another explanation for it. Right. The idea that stupid or liar, you're assuming stupid rather than liar. Right, that this whole situation yeah, is just a yeah. bunch of stupid people. I, yeah, I, and I think that's in, fair. I, I think that's this, fair. I, I can see. I, I'm not going to make any judgment either way. I'm just going to say I think for for me, it's equally likely on both sides because we know that we have to look at the media here, and the media here is bought in fully to this. Uh, you know, not to get into the military industrial complex conspiracy, but the, if there's any evidence for it, it's this, right? Like. Like the NPCs got the update that Ukraine is the uh, bastion of um, of democracy in 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 uh, Eastern Europe and uh, and like has done no wrong and 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 must be defended uh, at all costs and all this stuff right like all this stuff like just all of a sudden just got downloaded instantly into the media 
And so, like, I have to assume I, I'm Poland's more likely over to assume, here. Like, come on, what are we gonna do, Poland? Yeah. Don't you see us? We overthrew <laughs> well, communism. Like, yeah. But uh, so, all that being said, jokes aside, like, it, it, you know, the media snapped into there was all unanimous like support right like uh all of a sudden from all sorts of the traditional media so like that is immediately sussy to me so but at the same time william i agree like i agree with what you're saying completely suspect isn't that a very american-centric point of view though to think that they're playing to american media although yeah Yeah. they seem to be right because vogue is an american publication so now i return to your premise of stupid or liar well i think it's more stupid that they're they're worried about pandering to the American public and the American media rather than their own people and figuring out what's the best way to handle the war effort. Do you see what I'm saying? That's true. They should have just moved to California where we have freedom, right? I mean, that's what most people would do, right? Yeah. I mean, why why live under Russian rule when you can uh, abandon and live live here? Why live under Russian rule when you can live under Gavin rule? That's right. Soon y'all will be able to do that. We're going to send him to Master somewhere, right? Alternately, you could move to Oregon, where you live under Antifa rule, right? And I, I say that somewhat sarcastically, but not completely, because, William, I don't know if you saw this article organically before I shared it for the podcast, but when this came across my feed this week, I was like, holy shit, right? This, to me, validates the parental rights and education bill more colloquially known as the Don't Say Gay Bill here in Florida. This article is, In Portland, the sexual revolution starts in kindergarten. And the oh, sub-headline here is, The city's public school teach K-5 to students to subvert the sexuality of white colonizers and begin exploring the infinite gender spectrum. The infinite gender spectrum sounds like a ride they wish was at Epcot, doesn't it? <laughs> Welcome to the infinite gender spectrum. <laughs> Uh, like, how do we keep going back to the attack helicopter meme, which I think is a hate crime now? <laughs> is it? Wow. I mean, why didn't they pose the people from Ukraine in front of the attack helicopter meme? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, man. So I want to go through this article, right? Because one of the complaints about the parental rights and education bill in Florida was... You know, why are they saying you you can't talk about these things? Because what was it? First through fifth grade, you weren't allowed to teach about sexuality or whatever it was. And that's why people were saying it was don't say gay. Right now, I'm giving them a very generous interpretation. I don't think they even read it. But I think that this shows exactly why. Because remember, Portland is one of the most far left cities in the country. This is where we're most seeing critical race theory, social justice put forward in the school system, in the culture Right. I don't want to just say the school system. I say the culture because we're talking about corporations and companies as well. And this is where we see Antifa roaming the streets with no consequences. So I want to read through this section about the curriculum. And then, William, when you want to chime in, go ahead. Yeah. So let's start in the beginning. In kindergarten, there's an anatomy lesson featuring graphic drawings of children's genitalia. The lesson avoids the terms boy and girl in favor of the gender neutral variants, person with a penis and person with a vulva, because according to the curriculum, some girls can have penises and some boys can have vulvas. Any gender kid. 
Right. The, 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 here's the problem. And this is, again, stupid or liar. It's shown that kids' brains are very black and white when they're that young. So when you look at this, you take a step back, right? And you look at it from a more academic standpoint, and you, you understand the idea that, you know, words or labels that we put on to identify concepts, right? Because conc- we put meanings onto concretes. Things well, br- yeah, inherently and their brain meaningful. needs that black and white because they're forming concepts. They need to draw bright lines. Right. That's the connection you just made, right? That's what they're missing here. What they're doing is, and I don't know if they're doing it stupid or liar. I don't know if they're doing it knowingly or if they're just so dumb because they're projecting their adult brains onto these children. Because, yeah, when you're an adult and another adult wants to call themselves a girl, but they have a penis, you can say, yeah, you're a girl with a penis. That's fine. Like, it's look, I don't agree with it. This goes back to my whole mind-body dichotomy thing and why are we messing with the body to make the mind right, right? Why, are, why don't we flip the two? Right. Yeah. Why don't but, we integrate? Yeah. Right. I I get why as an adult you could think that way, but as you just pointed out, they're destroying the way kids are thinking about this, and then to show them drawings of genitalia, like you don't even know, or you're not even aware of your own genitalia at that age. You're not aware that it's something different. I mean, a little younger than that, sometimes like babies will run around naked because they don't care, they don't give a shit, they have no shame, they're not aware. Yeah. Right. So it's and, and kids start to discover those differences, you know, around that age, right? Like they start to, you know, the you, you first start playing doctor around what maybe second, third grade, right? Where you're like, oh, there's yeah. a difference here, right? Right. Like you don't even really kindergarten's not even. The, uh, I remember, I remember the the most the, the like the most quote unquote sexual thing was girls chasing the boys trying to kiss them on the cheek in kindergarten, right? That was the most scandalous sexual, like, not, and I'm putting sexual in scare quotes there, right? Like, thing that was done in kindergarten, in my kindergarten. I don't know about you, Justin, but that, that like, right. there were no, there were no pictures of genitalia or, or cartoon drawings of genitalia or anatomy lessons, right? Right. Outside of maybe, maybe a discussion on proper washing with my parents, right? Like, outside of that. I don't even remember that. I'm gonna be honest with you, but I never. I don't, I don't remember that either. But I'm trying to think. Like, what? What? I'm trying to put myself back in fifth grade, unlike what these people are doing, right? Because we I mean, immediately I mean, drew they, that conclusion. We're like, hey, you're, you know, fifth grade, like, you're, you know, or sorry, first grade, uh, five years old. You're, you're, you're trying to draw bright lines for concepts so that you can build those baseline concepts. Like your baseline right. com- concept for girl and boy, which eventually turn into male and female, needs to have those bright lines because then you can't. Like, you can't even, can't even come up with this concept of gender, which, you know, I think I at least think is an anti-concept, um, without without at first having uh, without first having the definition to subvert, right? Right, and I think what you're saying really flows into the next paragraph here, right, where you're talking about, you know, we're talking about concept formation, concept theory, you have to have a concept first to start thinking about them. Look at the way this next paragraph starts. In first and second grade, students are introduced to the key tenets of gender identity theory. The curriculum states, gender is something adults came up with to sort people into two group, into groups, not two groups, into groups. Many people think there are only two genders, girls and boys, but this is not true. There are many ways to be a boy, a girl, both or neither. Gender identity is about how you feel about yourself inside. So what they're denying... What they're denying these kids 
is their own ability to make inductions about the world and define their own concepts, right? There's an irony here. Gender identity is about how you feel about yourself inside. Well, what about personal identity is about how you feel about the world around you? Do you understand what I'm saying, William? They're denying that. I think that's that's super interesting. I think uh, people, I often hear this from a lot of uh, gay men. That you know, they had to come up with, they had to understand what it meant to be a man. And I always point out to them, every boy goes through that, right? Right. Like, that's not like there might be unique well, aspects of it that, that we William, have. Just to interrupt real have. quick. We we talked about that, didn't we? Where, yeah, yeah, with the bit. gay pride article, where yeah. I was like, "Isn't the shit they're complaining about like something we all go through? We all get embarrassed about our sexuality as kids. It's yeah. not different." It's not different, right? Like Sorry, the, some continue. of the particulars might be different, but the essential is the right. same. And well, here, I mean, what more? Some of them are a lot different. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, some of us have to deal with BDE, but um, but but uh, jokes aside, again, um, but but here we're blowing because we're we're starting so young and we're 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 uh, subverting, we're destroying their ability to even form the basic concepts. How are they ever going to? They're not even going to be able to approach by asking that question, which I think well, is a healthy question Well, they can't even ask questions, William. Oh, they, yeah. They don't even know how to ask questions because look at the next part. This is the same paragraph. Next, students work through a lesson called Our Names, Genders, and Pronouns. The lesson tells them that gender is like outer space because there is as many ways to be different genders as there are stars in the sky. Students, the curriculum explains, can change their names to match who they are, like their gender, culture, or just what they like better. They can be boys, girls, cisgender, transgender, or non-binary, and experiment with pronouns such as they, them, zeezer, according to their personal preferences. Only you know what your gender is, they are told. Now look, I agree in principle that only you know who you are, right? That's one of the hardest things about existing as a human being is the only person who's ever really going to know you is you, right? We're all in agreement there. But they're doing two things here, which are stunting the growth, which is what you're referring to, William. They're giving them the concepts. That's the first thing, right? They can't come up with their own concepts because they're telling, like, you can handle all of this very simply. Figure it out yourself. Don't let anybody else tell you who you are. You don't have to sit here and go, well, these are the terms, yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and and the second thing they're doing here is they're not allowing them to figure anything out themselves because they're just saying it's all expansive and it's whatever you want. So they're not allowing them to self limit either. So they're yeah. limiting them at the same time. They're not letting them self limit either. There can be as many genders are there are in stars in the sky. So they're getting a contradictory message. Oh, here are the groups you can't fit in, oh, boy oh, and girl. On. They're not getting the a contradictory message. They're getting the message. The message is if you're straight, cisgendered, and white, you're evil. They're getting that message right away. That that that's the message that they're allowing you to induce as a child, Justin. Oh, hundred percent. That's the thread. Like everything else here is is just pure indoctrination, and 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 that's great that you're pointing that out as a teacher. I can see why that it just like jumps out at you, right? Like it's like, hey, this is not how you teach, right? You don't teach this, right? Way. You don't teach by, especially even in first grade, being like, these are the only terms you can use. Yeah, yeah. Think about in mathematics, if I just gave you, like, Green's Theorem or something in calculus, and be like, okay, and I just walked you through the mechanics of using Green's Theorem, it's like, there you go. Now you know all of calculus, right? That's the epitome right. of Calc 3. Well, and that's like, part of the well, problem, Wait too. a minute, there's this none is... of the concepts. Like, you know, like maybe I can teach a fifth grade or a first grader to, uh, or a kindergartner to run through the algorithm of, uh, of Green's uh, Theorem. Um, 
you know, line integrals and all that other stuff. But like n- none of that matters because like you're, you don't even know what it's for or how to apply it or like why right. you have these terms or what that squiggly line right. means. You don't know anything. And, and in this case, it's even worse because it's not even a concept that's useful in, in, right. in any context. Like gender is not useful in any context in, in, in the way they're teaching it here. Right. hundred percent. I mean, and what you're talking about here is let's remind the listeners, this is the first and second grade paragraph. So the co- the Justin, idea of like, can you imagine? Hold on, could you imagine teaching this not in the city? Let me let me let me explain that. I grew up in a farm town. We know what male and female is. You see it on the farm, right? You see yeah. you see what gender like not not gender in this term, right? What actual biological sex is and what its function is. Even in kindergarten and first grade, you'll know that, right? Right. Well, and that and that's part of the issue here when you're saying like male and female, right? They're using the terms boy and girl. So there's a lot of even um, intentionally. I can't remember the word right now. It's it's escaping me. But they're intentionally blurring the lines here between male, female, and boy and girl, which are different things. Which, if yeah. you would let them get to their high school debate class, we can have a week, a month, however long we want, talking about well, what is a boy? What laws or moral codes should we have for boys or girls? How do we get from what a boy is to what should is? We can have these discussions once they've developed the faculties. But the first thing is developing the faculties to identify a concept and to identify those things. So, yeah, you're right about this jumping out to me as a teacher. So let's move forward. Because remember, this is first and second grade. So third through fifth grade, the district begins lessons on alphabet group. I don't need like LGBTQ. So let's see, lesbian, gay, bi, trans, queer, I don't know what I is, A Uh, is asexual. Intersex, asexual. Intersex, asexual Sometimes, Yeah, there's other definitions for I. I thought it was incel. I mean, I saw I, uh, I was like incel. (laughs) A can be asexual, it can be all sorts of things too. Um, Two S would be two spirit, and then plus, because that's, you know, this is the thing, this is the service you have to subscribe to, right? If you're any of these, you have to subscribe to this streaming service this package in order to be part of that community. Yeah. And I always, I have to point out, I cannot let it slip ever. When we bring up the cues, the cues is a political identity. It's not a sexual identity. Queer means a political identity. It means social justicely gay, right? It means, it means you use gay as a weapon, a political weapon. It's not a uh, actual sexuality. You don't have to be gay to be Q to be queer. Continuing the curriculum presents the categories of man and woman as manifestations of the dominant culture that has used sexual norms to oppress minorities. This is where we start to get absolutely even more insane, right? The idea that now we're not only teaching, and this is where they start talking about critical race theory, right? The idea that everything is used to oppress somebody else, right? The culture systems and assumptions that everyone is straight is called heteronormative, there are adults who don't understand what heteronormative is. And we're going to throw this term in third to fifth grade. The culture systems and assumptions that everyone is cisgender is called cisnormative, the curriculum claims. Therefore, the culture systems and assumptions that everyone is straight and cis is called cisheteronormativity. This system, according to the lesson plan, is a form of oppression designed to benefit white, straight, cis boys and to punish that long acronym people. Which, wait... Now we have groups that people aren't allowed to identify themselves as. 
they yeah. have to fit into one of those two groups. So they've contradicted their first grade or their kindergarten lesson here, right? But regardless of that, right, the idea that, look, I just, this is the induction thing again, William. The culture systems and assumptions that everyone in straight is cis is called cis-heteronormativity. Look, when you're making an induction as a kid or as an adult, right, this goes back to what we always say about percentages. What is the majority of people? Are they straight or are they gay? If I let, let, let's take uh, let's take the political out for a second, although this could I guess everything is political to to, to, to a segment of, uh, of of folks who believe this shit. Um, if I run into someone on the street in my hometown of Duran, Michigan, there's a lot of things I will assume until I'm shown evidence otherwise. For example, I will assume that they are American, that they speak English, that they uh, that they are probably Christian. Right. All these things are contextual as a child. I would have assumed. Right. Uh, yes. I would assume that they are from my town. You know, there's not a lot of tourists, for example, in Durant, Michigan. Right. Yes. Um, I will assume they know my parents. You know, there's only 3000 people in, in my town at that time. Right. Yeah. Uh, all these things are, are, are assumptions. That I, as a child, I am correct in making. Right. That's not uh, uh, Durant normativity oppressing the people who aren't from Durand. That's just like the facts of reality. And it's a right. proper induction, especially for a child. Right. And another way from my perspective to put that is when I come across people from Massachusetts who don't live where I live and they may be visiting or they're, you know, they're just here, you know, I'll ask them like, Oh, what do you think of the Celtics in the playoffs? Or, you know, what do you think of Mac Jones versus Tom Brady? Because what is the natural assumption that those people are sports fans, right? Because Boston, Massachusetts, that's yeah. a big sports, professional sports state. And, and I city. wouldn't I wouldn't expect someone from Massachusetts to be offended by you assuming that. Right? It would be easy to correct, right? It's easy for me right. to correct when people assume that, you know. If I say, you know, my partner or my, you know, my date, if they assume a woman, like that's not offensive. It's not oppressive for me to put, because I know I'm not, I'm not in, I'm not, I'm not the typical. So it's okay. It, it, it's fine. Like what we should be teaching people is, hey, you're an individual. If you have something about you that's unique or atypical, you know, this is great. Here's how you, you know, here's how you talk about that. Or, you know, when someone assumes something, here's how you, you know. Uh, with benevolence, you know, talk about that, right? Well, it's not that difficult. I mean, if somebody asks you about something you don't know about or don't care about, you're just like, I don't know anything about that, or I, you know, I don't yeah. watch football, I don't watch well, baseball. Well, like, the reason I say it that way is because we're we're teaching people to be hostile about those right. things. Well, that that's why I'm talking because about we're that. undermining we're, we're teaching their sense the of self. Exactly. We're, we're we're teaching you to be hostile. If someone assumes that you're cisgendered, you're supposed to be hostile, right? You're supposed to be defensive right. and hostile. You're supposed to feel well. Oppressed. That goes again. That goes to the next paragraph. The solution, according to public Portland public schools, is to obliterate the white colonizer conception of sexuality with its rigid male female binary and encourage students to inhabit the infinite gender spectrum. So they want to go on the Epcot ride, the infinite gender spectrum. This means destroying the system of cis heteronormativity and promoting queer and trans identities. Teachers are told to eliminate the terms girls and boys, ladies and gentlemen, mom and dad, Mr. or Mrs. Mr. Miss boyfriend, girlfriend in favor of terms such as popple 
popple. I can't even say the normal words right. People, do you remember the popples? Anyway, <laughs> flocks, F O L X, guardians, M X, and them friend. So who's your them friend? Right? Doesn't doesn't that sound like you're being offensive to someone? Students are shown photographs of gender nonconforming individuals and encouraged to celebrate the flags for non-binary, genderqueer, gender fluid, and two-spirit identity. <laughs> we've talked about this before. Can't you spot a gender like every gender nonconforming people look, person looks exactly the same? It's like goth. It's the new goth, yeah. right? One hundred percent. For some students, the subversion of the gender binary might also involve a gender transition. The curriculum provides a detailed explanation of how to pause puberty through hormones and or surgeries and advice on adopting a non-binary identity instead of pronouns. And again, this is my question about all so this. So in other words, we're, we're teaching you about the Holy Spirit, and then we're, we're uh, asking them, what grade is this? We're asking them to uh, invite Jesus into their heart, right? That's that, we that's, haven't even. That's in this third is just grade? like an, as a side. This is oh. in third through fifth grade. So yeah, third yeah. Through so fifth this grade. is in third through fifth grade. We're asking them to invite Jesus into their heart through chemicals. Right. Well, and that's my point. Again, these people have developing brains, and why is the issue? Why is the solution always to change the body? Why is it always to change the body? Back to the article. By the end of fifth grade, the curriculum explicitly asked students to make a commitment to change according to the dictates of gender ideology. That's right. You students, have to invite Jesus into your heart. I already said this. I know. It, what's great about the way you're approaching this, William, is everything you're saying is leading into the next paragraph. <laughs> it's students like receive, rep. <laughs> receive a list of six commitments, including I commit to learning more about what the acronym words mean and how they have changed over time. I commit to learning about the history and leadership of black trans women. And by the way, that's a, uh, that's a quote. Women? That's very specific. Well, and, uh, okay. So there's a, a new show right now, Claim to Fame. It's a reality show where relatives of famous people are in a house together. And the, the last one remaining gets some amount of money. But the way you get eliminated is if somebody else figures out who you're related to. And... This guy in the house got eliminated because he was related to the the uh, the black trans actress on Orange Is the New Black. What's the what's what's that person's name? No idea. I'm Wait, am I right now. Is that oppressive of me? Am I supposed to learn more about black trans activists? Hold on, I'm looking it up. Thank oh, you for Laverne doing Cox. God's work. Have you heard that, that name before? No. Thank you for doing the Lord's work, though, by uh, educating me on black trans. Well, the, the reason I'm saying this is because of how specific this is. When this, when this guy was eliminated, he talked about his sister, right? The M to F trans actress who was on Orange is the New Black. And he, he heralded her as if she represented a large group of people. He was like, before her, there were no black trans actresses on magazine covers you know, they're not in movies, they're not in shows. And I really, I wanted to reach through the TV and ask him and go, name me five. William, name me, you couldn't even name me Laverne Cox. Can you name any other black trans women? Mm, not famous ones, no. I know some drag queens from like Baltimore. Okay, yeah, but is, is RuPaul... Tr- Trans? I mean, a drag queen isn't trans. Yeah, right? that, well, that's, that's my point, right? Yeah, trans has become a different thing, right? Like they've 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 kicked out the drag queens and the 
you know, uh, what, you know, I've told the story a million times, I know, but, you know, we, we, we always had to, we, we jokingly uh, called her Sad Tranny. She liked that name. And we refer to her as her, but uh, definitely, uh, let's just say, not gone through hormone therapy, right? But would dress and drag and, and hang at the bar and was a nice person. Um, and uh, relished in, the, in, 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 in their identity, right? They were happier uh, uh, being out there and dressing up and having a good time as that persona. And yeah, but all that is gone now, right? Like now you have, now you have this where, like you said, you have to attack the body in order to uh, be a member of the religion. Right. And continuing to these commitments that help you attack the body. I commit to practicing pronouns and correcting myself every time I commit to attending QSA slash GSA and being a leader at my school. And this is going to be gay straight Alliance, right? They're still trying to push that. Wow. I commit I mean, to watching and reading like, books like movies a and TV school, shows. Right? Yes. And I think that's a great point. I commit to watching and reading books, movies, and TV shows that have acronym characters. Oh, in other Lordy. words, they commit to becoming political activists for queer theory and the broader sexual education. I agree with that last statement, but I think there's a more fundamental point here, William. Imagine they actually commit to these six commitments. Mm-hmm. Would these young people who are developing trying to figure out their own values, their own interests, their own bodies, their own minds, right? What are their personalities, right? What are they good at? What what is their body naturally strong and weak at? When would they have time for anything else? Wouldn't this simply make it so these people's only interest, these kids' only interest is... The group. The group, this group. Yeah, It's, it's a terrifying... Like just psychologically, right? Forget the take the pol- political side out of it. It's it's a cult mentality. It's a cult psychology, right? This is this is like you like you're pointing out. It's not about like like the part that we were talking about earlier. This is not a part of like oh I you know I look down. I'm clearly male. What does it mean to me to be masculine, right? What does it mean to right. me to be male? What are the aspects right. of me that identify with the generalized right. concept of male? And then how do I integrate that into becoming the best me? Right. And how do I take how I think and feel and how do I both integrate and remove myself from the general culture? How do I become a part of it, but still retain my identity while being part of the culture? Instead, it's saying, well, there's that culture. Well, here's this other culture. You have to be a part of ours. Yeah, right. It's teaching, now the last... and it's teaching conformity, right? It's a, it's it's a it's right. it's force teaming, which is a uh, I know a psych, psycholo- psychological concept, but it's force teaming. I'm sorry, it's like you must be on this team now, and right. and then you must identify you you must conform you must you know shun your individuality and just have these group characteristics. Right. Now this article says that this. Dude, what if you're interested just... in something that like chess or something? Like, are you, are you supposed to fight the patriarchy or whatever, the oppression of the queen and the king and, and all that stuff? Like, how do you even, like, how do you, how do you, what I'm trying to say is, how do you do any activity that isn't part of this religion? Well, you don't have time. That was my point. Well, you're saying you don't have time. I'm saying it's not possible because you'll be an annoying twat. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, you, it, it's, <laughs> yes. it's, you're, it, that's why I'm getting back to this is a cult indoctrination. It's making you an annoying twat. So you, you now you're you're in your development, your social development. You'll be isolating from anyone who isn't in this ideology, right? 
Like, imagine child me. You wouldn't be able to be friends with me, right? Because you'd be preaching all this bullshit, and it wouldn't make any. It wouldn't make any sense. It would make you just annoying, right? Telling me how, what it means to be issue. gay, yeah. And that <laughs> no, that re- that reminds me, William, of somebody I worked with at one point at a nonprofit talked about how when she was a kid, she told any adult who smoked cigarettes how bad it was and how they shouldn't smoke and how smoking was evil. And my reaction to that was you were an asshole kid. Now I didn't say that, but that was what I thought in my head because look, I agree. Smoking's bad. I mean, I'm straight edge, right? I've never had a cigarette. I, I agree that it leads to lung cancer, right? I mean, scientifically that's true, but as an adult, you don't go around saying that. So imagine teaching little kids to say that to people. Yeah. And you know, this article says that this is becoming commonplace, but what's really revealing is a paragraph from the beginning that was revealing the premise behind all of this. The premise is simple. Privileged white heterosexuals have created an oppressive gender system in order to dominate racial and sexual minorities. As the curriculum explains, gender is colonized. So that's the real addition, the colonized gender addition. And Western societies have used language to erase alternative sexualities. When white, pe- white European people colonized different places, they brought their own ideas about gender and sexuality. By the way, I will say this about the curriculum. At least they finally distinguish there are ty- different types of white people, right? White European people implies there are non-European white people, which we're finally seeing all white people aren't the same. I don't know if that's a precursor and foreshadowing. They're going to try and divide white no, people. No, no, I think that's just, I think that's just, uh, I, I I don't think so because I, in this case I think they're 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 saying European as in the political structure, not like they're not. I don't think they're distinct dis, distinguishing the race here. Uh, I disagree with you. Okay, all right. Because because you know what when, I'm going to point out here. Like what does this this is this happens because of colonization, except for all the other societies that also have these norms and every religion has always used sexual. Uh, things as repressive, right? Like as a form of uh, right. of of repression. This has nothing to do with white Europeans. This is a repression right. technique uh, 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 that's been used by every religion historically. Right. And so to continue, when the United States was colonized by white settlers, their views around gender were forced upon the people already living here. Hundreds of years later, how we think and talk about gender are still impacted by this shift. So... Wait, but how does this affect like China or like... Saudi Arabia or, you know, list any non-European cut. Well, I don't know of any European countries that do this. Maybe uh, Russia um, that, you know, throw gays. Russia's in Asia. Yeah. Russia's Asian. But, Uh, uh, but but you understand my point, right? Like, well, yeah, I understand your point. We've got like a ton of countries that throw uh, gays off of roofs that aren't white European. Right. And, and, that's exactly what I was just going to say to you. This goes to what we're always talking about with the Middle East, where people talk about the hypocrisy dealing with them. I think that this is fetishization of the alien or of different yeah. races, it where is. it's the idea that, oh, they're a different race, so they're superior, or they must have different ways if they're a different race. Like, do you think Japanese culture, which is very patriarchal and has the belief in the man and the woman and the household, and the mom and the dad, do you think that's from European colonizers? Like, and, and look, I get it. I get that, you know, it says uh, they brought their own ideas about gender and sexuality, 
right? And this is about how we talk about things, right? But what is the value of talking about all of these different quote unquote sexualities or preferences or anything? You know, there becomes an issue, William, when rights are taken away and when violence is done upon these people, Mm -hmm. right? But why do we need to go around and talk about drag queens all the time? Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, I, I look, I have, all right, I'm receiving a phone call that's important. So I need to take a quick break here and then we will return to this discussion. All right. And we are back from the break, uh, during which the capacitor was replaced in my air conditioning. The flux capacitor or just the regular capacitor? Well, I mean, I assume the flux capacitor is only fluxing because of time. That's why it's called the flux capacitor. But I would assume a flux capacitor operates in the same way an air conditioning capacitor operates. (laughs) Probably. So uh, I think what happened was it went over 88 uh, OMs per hour, right? Because we had a power surge here yesterday or something because all the power was out in our neighborhood. Even Target was on emergency lights when I went in there. So now I I have air conditioning back, but I'm out $257. And also... How's this for bizarre in the way the world works, William? And a reminder that we can't control things. In the time that we took a break, the brief, you know, half an hour, 45 minutes, it was announced that Bill Russell, the great Celtics player, arguably the greatest NBA player of all time, multi-time champion as a player, as a player coach, died at 88 years old. So I have air conditioning back, but I lost $257 and Bill Russell. I'm not sure if I can make that trade. Yeah, that's a high price to pay for cold air, right? Like if somebody was like, you have no air conditioning, but Bill Russell lives, I I might take that trade. So uh, you thought you were getting a discussion of kindergarten sexuality, which is weird in itself, but... Now you're hearing about Bill Russell. So R.I.P. Bill Russell. R.I.P. Bill Russell. Let's let's he get back to what we're talking about. will get to live to see the kindergarten sexual revolution. Unfortunately. <laughs> Maybe it was a good thing he died dead. Like, I don't ever <laughs> want to say, like, someone dying is a good thing. But, like, Bill Russell was an amazing human being. And I don't think he needed to see what's coming. So, like, thank you for everything you did, Bill Russell. Um, I wish you could have seen Jason Tatum win a title this past year. I thought you were going to be around a little bit longer because he seemed to be doing good for 88, right? Kind of a sobering thought, right? That you can seem to be doing good at that age and then you're just gone. Yep. Returning to our discussion, William, I was, I was making a point, right? That this is all about, you know, the way we talk about things and why we have to talk about things and make everything mainstream, and everything quote-unquote normal. Normal meaning the definition of like what most people are, what the average people are, right? We talked a lot about assumption and stuff. And I was going into a point about drag queens where, you know, I don't have a problem, and I think most people don't. If that's what you want to go do, right? You want to have like the drag shows and everything. I don't know what the proper terminology is for like a drag show. But I know there are restaurants like around here, it's called Hamburger Mary's. There's one yeah, where you can go and then the show. Yeah. Oh, they have one there too? Yeah, it's a chain. Oh, okay. I did not know it was a chain. So, yeah, there you go. Uh, you can go, and that's fine. If that's what you want to do, if you want to dress up, if you want to uh, enjoy that, like go and just be a, a consumer, be an audience member, fine. Now, obviously, if anybody wants to 
go there and harm them, that's also an issue, right? But it's the same thing of, like, are most people going to Star Trek conventions? Like, did you ever go to a Star Trek convention in the 90s, William? No, I never never went. I did go to uh, see, in Vegas when it was still around, I went to see Quark. Oh, that was, like, the most disappointing thing about um, yeah. the Elvis The Star Trek movie? experience was good, but Quark's was a little disappointing. Oh, okay, that makes me feel better, because I always... I always wanted to see Quarks, and the fact that it was gone was, you know, I never got to it see was, it. It was partially gone by the time I made it out there. Does that make any sense? Like oh, they were, they yeah. were starting to, you know, not not uh, upkeep it as well as it should have been. Yeah, because the Elvis movie showed his manager, like, in the hospital in the 90s in Vegas, so when they showed the strip, they used video, updated video from that time period, Right, they made it look better. But it, when they showed that hotel, which hotel was it? Do you remember? I think it was the MGM, right? Or no, it wasn't yeah. MGM. It was the Hilton or whatever. It was the one further off the strip. I think it was the Hilton yeah, whatever or was the, it. Yeah, yeah. Whatever hotel that's all, that, that you take the train to, the train's last stop. It said the, the Star Trek experience. Yeah. Right, and it was right yeah. there. Yeah. Right? And so that was watching the movie. I was like, wow, like, that's crazy. I'm probably one of the only people who, like, has some sort of emotional reaction to that. But it's the point I'm making about all of this, and I'm not trying to equate being a, a Trekkie, or do they say Trekker nowadays? But that's even part of the point, right? Yeah. Like, what? who gives a fuck if it's Trekkie or Trekker, right? Do you like Star Trek or not? Um, I'm not trying to equate that with sexuality and all those things, right? Obviously, sexuality is a is a bigger thing, right? I would say liking Star Trek's more of an optional value, obviously, right? But my point is, it doesn't have to be a mainstream thing, and I don't need it to be acknowledged in this mainstream thing. Why is it that... If all genders and all sexualities, like, and when I say gender here, all mind states, right? Whatever your mind state is about how you identify, right? And whatever label you use. I don't care what label you use to identify yourself. But why does it all have to be acknowledged externally and in the mainstream or it's colonization by white settlers? Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Does the fact that I identify as an individual, um, is that colonized as well? Do I need to work to decolonize that? Yeah, because individualism is just the, that's part of the colonization, is is you're forcing that upon these communal yeah, group cultures, yeah, right? Yeah. When we're talking about like Native American, right? And this is what I was saying before about the fetishization of the, you know, the alien or the different. Like when I hear something like two-spirit, a lot of this seems to come from like, oh, well, if we had just left the Native Americans alone, our country would be better. But I know you had a point you wanted to make, right, William? Yeah, yeah. Well, really quick, I think that I'm being oppressed because not enough people in the mainstream are talking about newfound glory. I think we should uh, have a newfound glory alliance in every uh, in every uh, uh, kindergarten, and um, people should be talking about and listening to and spreading the the albums around and the songs and and memorizing the lyrics and uh, yeah, doing all those things. But uh, but uh, you know, I, I also think about. Uh, this is just such clear indoctrination, right? We see that. This is about pushing unearned guilt onto people. This is very American, right? We talk about all the time the the, the sort of like the European influence uh, of critical race theory, but this is an American implementation of it, meaning it's very guilt-based. It's guilt-based and it's original sin, right? There is an original sin here. There's this white male original sin and that white maleness uh, is not just for white males. 
uh, it's for everyone, right? And you must the the primary thing about this is to start young when they don't when when kids don't have moral reasoning reasoning, and and get this original sin inside of them, just like Sunday school is for religion, right? And um, it's what makes this grosser is that it's the government, right, doing this, and that that's the part that is is just the. Uh, you know, the epitome of it is that there's this, why are we trying to take stunt people's emotional growth by guilting them with things that they had no power over, had, had no choice on? It's, it's putting this original sin and trying to stain their souls with it and stunt their growth with it. And it's, it's the opposite of what you want to do to raise a healthy child that could presumably fight any of these systemic issues that you that that you claim to want to fight if anything it will perpetuate and what the other thing that i come back to is why are we privileging sexuality and not other things right like what 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 makes this the the selection that we're going to spend like you're saying spend all our time on is is sexuality and gender and I think it comes back to we know historically that's what religion has focused on and has been the most effective. And well, because arguably this is the most personal when you start yeah. talking about like who you're attracted to. Right. I mean, I think one of the best things Ayn Rand ever wrote is that show me who a man is. And I'm paraphrasing because I don't remember the exact phrasing. Show me who a man is sexually attracted to and I will show you his estimation of himself. And that applies yeah. to men and women equally. Yeah. That's something about right? their entire that, philosophy, right? Like, right. like it, it shows their entire philosophy. Well, not just a philosophy, right? Let's, I mean, maybe I'm projecting onto Rand here, but let's talk about psychology as well. I mean, people don't like when people like me say stuff like this, but why is it fat people always end up together? Or why do you look at uh, a couple and they're both slovenly, right? It's, it's self-esteem as well, right? Do you, if you go to the gym every day, like... Do you want to be with someone who doesn't work out? Right? And if you don't work out and you're slovenly, do like do you have enough confidence to be with someone who works out all the time? Isn't that why you get relationships of insecurity and jealousy and things like that because mm-hmm. of these mismatches? Yep. Right? And I mean, this everything you're saying, William, goes back to just how sort of dangerous and deceptive and again stupid or liar with this because it's what you're saying systemically right if they really want to combat things systemically why wouldn't they educate the kids well you could say the same thing about religion you're saying about this group of people and this ideology it's the idea that they well right i was letting the audience infer that themselves don't they know that this is how you control society and yeah. isn't that why they're doing this? Because yeah. they're trying to make this the norm? Because as I've always said, I have been very consistent about this for many years of my life, if not my entire life. Nobody wants power to do the right thing. They want power to oppress the people who oppress them or to oppress everyone else the way they feel they were oppressed. So it's the same thing here. This isn't about we're going to educate them properly so everyone can live his or her or their own life. It's I'm going to educate them so we can now be in power. And the other group that oppressed us can now feel what it's like to be oppressed. So I can never be oppressed again. 
And it ultimately results in interpersonal hostility. And it actually goes to the entire debate about, as I framed this, why Florida passed the law they passed and why people are fighting against it. Because interestingly, there were, uh, there wasn't, were, there was an interview this week with the uh, head of America's Federation of Teachers, I think that's what AFT stands for, but it's the, the, the National Teachers Union, Randy Weingarten, uh, talking about politicizing education. Yeah, American Federation of Teachers. It's the second largest national teachers union. She spent a large portion of her keynote speech decrying conservative talking points against educators and teachers unions. And this is what she said. Why are our opponents going DEFCON 1 with sleazy lies about grooming and calling teachers pedophiles? Why are Fox News and some GOP officials spreading these conspiracies and other hateful ideas which social media stokes and amplifies? Because the extremists, the anti-public schools crowd, the anti-union crowd, the privatizers, the haters... Uh, by the way, I love how in a, a reasonable discourse, an intellectual discord, the, the haters comes up. Don't be a hater, yeah. <laughs> They see the importance Wait, of public schooling. Wait, which is worse, schooling. a hater or a Nazi? Well, the Nazis are the ultimate haters, aren't they? Even Maybe. though that's not the definition of the term hater. But they see the importance of public schooling as a unifying American value and that Americans value educators. So the extremists plot to change that. Isn't this statement extremely tone deaf Yeah. with what we just read about Portland? Yeah. I mean, how can we look at how, how can someone objectively look at this indoctrination plan? I'm not going to call it a lesson plan uh, and not come to the conclusion that these folks don't have the best interest of kids in mind, that this is for a political goal. Well, and that's what's ironic. Here's another quote here. What the other side is doing, like DeSantis and Abbott, of course, you know, we know DeSantis and Abbott, I believe, is the governor of Texas, correct? I think so, yeah. They're just making everything political. They're thwarting us from teaching kids. I thought it was political. Well, okay, yeah. So I can, that statement in itself, this is how these people work, right? I can grant that some benevolence. I can be like, okay, I get where you're coming from. You feel like you're not allowed to teach. As a teacher, I get that. But then the next statement, they're stopping us from teaching honest history. You hear that statement in relation to what we just read about Portland, where they're talking about white European gender colonizers, about colonized gender, and that's honest history? Then it says, they're trying to say that we shouldn't see all kids. Should they? Aren't there some kids that they have to be treated differently? I mean, I'm a teacher. I don't think every kid should be in every classroom. But now they have this idea that every class should be in the same classroom and a teacher has to be responsible for teaching the same information, potentially 30 different ways, right? Because there are 30 individuals. You have to have differentiated education. And what they're not doing is they're not giving us the resources and conditions we need to actually help kids recover from a pandemic and then accelerate learning. They are playing politics. Again, isn't this projection? They're yeah. doing that. If that's not a clear ask for money, like, right, right, like, isn't that exactly like political? Yeah, it's definitely. Right. And then when they ask for the money, they always want more salary. They don't want more for resources, right? 
They're not like, build us a new building, right? So it's updated. They want higher salaries. And yeah. then the here here's the 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 ultimate cherry on top of all of this. This is from the publication. This was a question they asked, and this shows how much the narrative is controlled because we talked about this on this podcast because it's directly related to me. So again, remember last week with the Snyder Cut article, we talked about, oh, well, we're talking about this in depth because we're on the front lines and we are able to talk about this. And that's why we're doing it rather than just we're telling you just ignore it. Well, it's the same thing here. I'm not saying ignore it. This time I'm saying pay attention to this and speak up. Because I'm on the front lines and look what this publication's saying. So this is a publication asking this president of the second largest teachers union. Elementary teachers in one Florida school district reported that they were discouraged from displaying pictures of their same-sex partner on their desk or wearing rainbow items of clothing. Although the state has since clarified that the law does not restrict the display of personal photos. Are you worried we're going to see teachers personalized being censored in states with laws restricting how LGBTQ issues are addressed in schools? So there's two things here, William. Yeah. One, the insidious part is that was Orange County. And we talked about how that was the county trying to make the state law look bad and trying to poke holes in it by intentionally implying it in a way, intentionally applying it in a way that was not said in the law as a way to get it stricken down in court. That was the administrators trying to legislate as administrators, not as school administrators they were the ones messing with things and now either through again stupid or liar does this publication know that's what was going on and they're going along with it or did they buy the bullshit the orange county administrators were putting forward Mm -hmm. right and then the much more i don't know i don't want to say much more despicable but the another dangerous thing here is the insinuation that a teacher's personal life should even be in the classroom exactly right boundaries we're supposed to be teaching kids how to how to recognize and respect others and um and ensure that they enforce their own boundaries and here we're talking about teachers bringing their personal lives their personal sexual lives into kindergarten like what are we even talking about in any in in the high school it shouldn't happen look well and the q should be uh, again because q is a political identity it should be in the classroom at all in elementary school right like right. if you're if you're if you're a political activist, you should not be bringing that into a public school. Period. I mean, I would say it shouldn't even be brought into a private school. Yeah, like it's it's not what education is about. It's I had to take time. Behavior. Well, right, because they're they're. I mean, it's 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 unpersonal behavior, William. Yeah. That's not how you interact with other adults, too. Like, do you talk about your sexual? Like, one of the things I like about you, William, is like. You're gay, but you're not gay. Do you get what I'm saying? <laughs> exactly. Like, like I can talk to you about newfound glory. You know what I mean? I can talk to you about football. And the every fact that topic you're gay for never me is not up. a gay topic or a gay right. issue or a. We can uh, just talk about shit. <laughs> like, what is it? How does it affect me? Right? Exactly. It only ever affects me if, like, we go to a show together and you're like, I'm going to bring this guy with me. And then at that point, like, it doesn't even really affect me as long as the dude's not a douche. You know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. So, like, just <laughs> it, and and talking about relationship. Uh, you know, like relationships and friendships and relationship issues, like with friends, it's all the same, right? Like, there's, it's the same relationship issues, <laughs> right? right? Like, and, there's the, like and, we're trying to point out that I, I, it's like this. There's this some privileged thing that you are as a LGBTQIA plus 
two spirit LMNOP, whatever the letters are in the in the Portland bill. And it's not true, right? Like we're we're doing two things at the same time that are like an anvil and a hammer here. We're trying to crush people's individuality. Okay, there you go. We're trying to crush (laughs) people's individuality, right? And then we're saying, no, there's this vast difference between people that have this uh, this privileged state of uh, of spirituality called LGBTQIA plus, and that you that 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 you unlock new aspects of 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 spiritual identity, right? Like of, of spiritual greatness by being a member of this group. And, but also, there's no there's a complete chasm then at the same time between that and hetero straight. What is it? Cis heteronormativity, right? Right. And then sort of, I guess what you're saying is you become like a, a lesser than or dilettante if yeah. you're heteronormative or whatever. Yeah, you're cis heteronormative. So therefore you're cut off from this whole spirituality that you just can't you can't be a part of. You can't let the Holy Spirit into your heart. Yeah. So to return to, to what I was the what I was saying about teaching kids. Right. Like I don't even like deal with adults in that way. Right. Like. That's not always relevant. It's usually not relevant. Dude, can you imagine right? how few friends I would have if I'm going around preaching about capitalism all the time? Right. Well, I mean, we can look at many people who identify uh, yeah, as I guess objectivists. Have, yeah, and, say, say, yeah. <laughs> and count their friends. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, we have um, we have a case study. We have many, many case studies of that, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I think Eric Daniels just did a lecture, uh, a, a, a lecture on that, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Defending or defending capitalism from the defenders of capitalism with something like that, right? I'm gonna I'm gonna watch that soon. From the people who have watched it, I've heard it's it's tremendous. I've heard from a, a couple of friends who watched it. It's amazing. And I've had many personal conversations about that with him. But that's the point. That's the things I talked to him about. Right. And I talked to him about Clemson football. So like grounding this in the classroom last year, I had to take some time off because I got married. Right. So it came up in the classroom that I was getting married. Right. But like I didn't have like huge discussions. Oh, yeah. Did you lecture about interracial marriage and, uh, you know, I don't know, heteronormativity and how you were uh, overcoming heteronormativity by inviting the token gays. So two things about that. One, I never like addressed it, but like (laughs) (laughs) kids would, sometimes they would ask, like I had a kid ask or like it would come up that they would talk about something Filipino came up or something or Asian. And I made a comment or I don't know how it came up, but it came up that my wife was Filipino in one class. And somebody was like, I thought you were like, your wife would be like a blonde girl. Like, so like, I don't, that's the first thing. Like it never like came up, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or if somebody asked, I was just like, yeah, my wife's Filipino. Like it's nothing to me. Or, but, but sometimes like we'll be in public, especially now that we're in Florida and there's not a lot of Filipinos. And my wife will be like, why are those people staring at us? And I'll be like, I don't know, probably because you're Filipino and I'm white. Like, whatever. Like, I don't make a big <laughs> deal out to say, of it. You you're supposed I mean? to say it's because you're beautiful and I'm muscular. That's why they're staring at us. <laughs> I mean, I do say that at other times. Like, the other day there was this really fat girl who wouldn't stop staring at us. And she was like, why is she staring at us? I was like, I don't know. She probably thinks we're attractive. And, like, she's envious or something. I don't know. But, like... That seems really vain to say. You can tell the difference. You get what I mean? When yeah, it's like because yeah. of the fitness and because of the, the race. Like sometimes people don't know who Filipinos are. You know what I mean? Or usually if it's about race, they'll look from me to her, back at me, back at her. Or they'll look at one of us and then look at the other. 
and they'll yeah. be like, wait a second. You know what I mean? Like trying to figure it out. But at the same time, when that happens, I don't make a big deal out of it. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Because, well, because me, it's, it's not, not. Hold on. Do you think that would ever happen in California, like in L.A.? Right. Um, not in that way. Right. Yes like it, and I'm no. getting back to the normal, the normal, like you, you right. recognize that you're not the mainstream, right? You're not the, the typical, right? Right. I don't want to say normal because that, that brings it, in a normative concept here that I'm trying to avoid. Right. I'm, right. Like, in the normative it, concept, if you're hanging out with the blizzard employees, uh, then it's all Asians and white guys. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not joking. I've had that experience at a blizzard party, yeah. but, um, the only way that, that that would happen, it wouldn't be because of the races. It would be because, and this has happened before, sometimes Asian guys will look at an Asian girl with a white guy in California, and you can tell they're upset about it. And yeah. sometimes Asian girls will look at an Asian girl with a white guy in California and be a little jealous. That Those yep. are the only two yep. sort of, and it's a much different interaction than here. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Here, what's funny is if you ever see an Asian girl with a white guy, even if they're older... They look at you just kind of like, oh, we're we're the same. You know what I mean? There's more of a camaraderie there, which yeah. I guess is it's like the tall like... people walking into a room thing. Right. I had a friend that's very tall, freakishly tall, who told me like, there's always the head nod between the tall people when they walk into a, a room. Yeah. All right. Well, we've gone way off here, right? I think the break sort of contributed to that as well, but uh, I think we we hit a lot of important points here. So why don't we move on to talk about a movie that came out that. We had interesting trailer reactions too, so it motivated me to see it in the theaters. And when I say we, I mean all of the uh, midsiders who responded in Discord. It's time for the hopeful romantic with JML. As you just heard me saying, if you want to interact with us and keep the conversation going during the week, you can join our Discord channel. If you just go to midside.com or midside.com slash podcast, click on any episode link. In that episode post, there will be a join link for our Discord. Join and, you know, we love it when you give us topics, give us articles, right? Or have you respond to the trailer takedown right we post a bunch of trailers and as you'll see this week we love i love reading some of the reactions because some of the reactions are similar to ours or they're the opposite of ours i think uh, some people might get mad at me about my reaction to the black panther trailer right so it's it's awesome to hear from you during the week and also uh you'll see some great memes from us right like i posted a simpsons meme this week uh, if you've ever seen this say the line where they had bart there was that one episode where he always had to say his catchphrase where this is one where they all look at him and say, say the line. And he's wearing an FBI hat and he says he was on our radar. I love that meme because, hey, isn't that what I always say on the show here, William, that every time there's like we say the guns are the issue. But isn't it like the fucking people who were supposed to stop the bad people from doing things don't stop them? Yeah. So yeah. I thought that meme was perfect. So yeah. join the discord and you can get to see all that stuff during the week and basically witness the farce as the week goes on i did it william i saw vengeance All so right. if you remember vengeance was that movie that everyone was unsure of how it would be yeah 
everyone's unsure. It was the BJ Novak. BJ Novak is uh, from The Office. He played Ryan on The Office. It was his movie. He wrote and directed it. And, you know, honestly, that was part of the reason I saw it. I think it's important when somebody is trying to be creative on his own and he's a new voice, I think it's important to give these voices a chance, especially when there was a lot of intrigue around this movie. Do you remember what the intrigue was about this movie, William? No, I don't remember. So this was the one about the guy who's a writer for The New Yorker, and he lives a very sort of social media shallow life where uh, the the opening scene is him and John Mayer, literally John Mayer playing John Mayer, talking about all the different girls they hook up with and they don't have deep relationships with yep. any of them. And they you know, have them in their phones, like how they met them. Like there was a, one that was called like Brunette Random House. And John Mayer was like, well, was that at the publisher or just a random house party? Right. So they live that kind of lifestyle. But then BJ Novak's character gets roped into going into Texas to attend the funeral of a girl who thought he was her boyfriend. And then her brother tells him she was murdered to help him investigate the death, her death. And he tries to turn it into a podcast, like a true crime podcast. And all of our discussion about this and the Midsiders discussion discord was, is this movie going to just make fun of Texas people or is it going to make fun of the leftist elite who make fun of Texas people? Do you remember that now? Yeah, I do. Okay. So I wish we had a drum roll drop, but here is my review. My one sentence. Remember, I love to read my one sentence letterboxed reviews. If you want to follow me on letterboxd, you'll see my rankings of all the movies that came out this year. Here's my one sentence letterbox review of this movie. In Vengeance, BJ Novak witnesses the farce of modern American culture before ultimately and unfortunately succumbing to it himself in the movie's final moment. Uh, I rate this movie very highly, William. This was a dark comedy thriller, and I would rate this as a bromantic movie. The only reason I wouldn't rate it so bromantic is because of that final moment. And I don't want to say too much here and spoil the discovery for you all, because I think there is a a wonder in discovering a movie like this, giving it a chance and seeing, like, what is the commentary it's making? There's walkers in the barn and Lori's pregnant. But what I'm saying here is I intentionally use the phrase. Witness the farce, right? I intentionally use that phrase because I, I do think that. Ultimately, in the movie, when it comes to its grand moment of catharsis, that B.J. Novak does inhabit the midside, where he sees the value of the community he comes from and the culture he comes from and the culture he's ridiculed. And I think a lot of the movie is him learning the value of that culture. And I think that we sort of already exist there. I mean, I see things about myself that are similar in BJ Novak's character. And I see things in myself that are similar in all the Texas characters. So I think, I think the movie is wonderful in that way. Hmm. And ultimately he portrays true evil. And I think that the true moment of catharsis is sort of controversial. And I'm surprised 
and again, I haven't read a lot of reviews, although I did Google the movie name, and of course, Vulture had a negative. Let me see if I Google it. Vengeance movie Vulture. I know they had. Yeah. Vengeance is a clever but hollow satire of podcast cliches, right? If that's not the most shallow reading of this I've ever heard of, right? And that should show you something about that, right? Show you something about the way they approach this movie. They don't want to see that ultimately in the moment of catharsis, which is, I would say, arguably controversial, that somebody would have the guts to write that climax, write that resolution, because I would say the that moment, there's a moment of climax and then a moment of resolution immediately afterwards, that they would do that and take that character on that journey where he does stare in the face of nihilism and argues against nihilism, argues against it. It's a pretty um, awesome moment of catharsis. And that would only be able to work if all of the other elements were already in there, right? To be able to get us there, right? Where the the characters are well-defined, the setting. I mean, the setting is integrated in there, right? The theme is in there, right? The theme about seeing what's actually there versus trying to avoid what's there. You know, it's largely about a movie about evasion in that way and about learning about what's actually going on. Um, you know, this, I would say spectacle is not really that great. The cinematography is not that great. Right. Um, but what's also interesting. So that's kind of my pitch about the movie. I would, I would urge people to see it. I would actually love people's reactions to this because I actually think this is one of the best movies of the year. I rank it number three behind, uh, Elvis and, um, Cyrano is number two, but again, Cyrano you could argue it came out in 2021 because it didn't have a wide release till 2022. Um, and this movie would have been near perfect if not for that. The, 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 the closing moment is very strange. It's very strange in the sense that it's sort of, it's almost like a move backwards. So that's kind of my pitch on the movie, but overall about how people approach things. And I think that this sort of is, ironic for the content of the movie itself but also something we talk about here in the midside often i dropped this article in the discord but the title is how bj novak's new thriller vengeance reveals the uncomfortable history of six flags and it does this because he attends a rodeo which he had never been to before and they bring out the six flags that fly over texas at which point they say that and i'm not even kidding you william I lean over to my wife and I said, did you know that's why Six Flags is called Six Flags? Because I knew that. Did you know that? That there were Six Flags that flew over Texas and that's why Six Flags was called Texas because it was started in Texas? Yeah, yeah. All right. And you know that because you do research, right? Yeah. You were curious why it was called Six Flags. I'm the same way, right? Yeah. Like, I'm like, I was like, why is this theme park called Six Flags? And then can you name the Six Flags over Texas? Uh, no, I probably, if I thought about it, I'd probably be able to though. Cause it's probably like America, Britain, Mexico, France. Yep. Uh, Dutch maybe. Spanish. Already well, Spanish. the state of Texas. Oh, the state of Texas. There you go. Okay. And then the rebel 
flag of a Confederate flag. That was a sixth one. And that's the uncomfortable history they're referring to here, right? But here's the thing. Why is it in the year 2022 that is a discussion we're having? If you are a reasonable adult and you have been to Six Flags or you're curious why it's called, so you've heard of it and you're curious, you should have looked that up yourself, right? Why do you need a movie to tell you that? Wait, can I and ask I think a question? That why is it uncomfortable to, to acknowledge that Six Flags have flown over Texas? Well, because of the, the Confederate flag is racist. Right. They've succeeded. Remember years ago on the show, we talked about how they're trying to relabel the Confederate flag to mean pure white supremacy. In the article, yeah, it yeah. says the Confederate flag is only supported by white supremacists. And that yeah. was something we talked about, how that's not true. The South is not full with white supremacists. I've experienced and seen more racism in California than in Florida. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. There are fucking black people here everywhere who are awesome and everybody gets along with them. You know what I mean? Yeah. So the, 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 the number of just fucking random people around here and nobody gives a shit. Whereas in California, there's much more hostility between groups. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you have to even do it at, at house parties, uh, navigate the right. interpersonal hostilities in California. Right. Right. And that's what's uncomfortable about it. But the fact that you needed a movie to bring that out like it was surprising like, honestly, it blew my mind that it was surprising because to me, like, I can get it if you're like, oh, wow, Aristotle, Plato, I never heard of the allegory of the cave and like de Tocqueville. Like, actually, there's one point in the, the movie where he's reading de Tocqueville and I was like, oh, wow, cool. He's reading de Tocqueville. And my wife was like, who? What? Because she doesn't know anything about that. Right. So it doesn't surprise me when stuff like that people don't know right because that requires an education or someone to expose you to that like i didn't know about to tocqueville till i was at clemson and a harvard professor gave a speech and talked about de tocqueville's commentary and how that applies to america or not right which was a fascinating speech but that's when i learned about him and read some de tocqueville because of that so i get it like you're not exposed to that but something like six flags that's common, basic American culture, is it not? As I said to my wife leaving the theater, like, do people go to Disney World and they not know, like, Disney was Walt Disney's last name? Like, do they go and they're like, who's the statue of the guy with the mouse? Because not knowing what Six Flags is, I would believe that based upon the way people are reacting to that comment. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, I think so. Doesn't that blow your mind? Yeah. Yeah, I guess we're with like, but how does that tie into the theme of witnessing the farce? I guess is the next question. Well, I mean, it goes back to what we were saying about the last all the stories about education and everything. Right. And and it goes back to this movie. Right. What what is vengeance? Right. What is the value of vengeance? Why does should he seek vengeance or not? Why are these people seeking vengeance? It's because they're not dealing with the reality in front of them. And it's the same thing here. Everyone's dealing with nowadays with social media, and this was a large like the commentary on social media in the movie was tremendous. Is a lot of people are dealing with the mediated reality, the mediated reality they see through social media, and I think that's a large part of why people don't know what that is, right? I mean, in my feed now, I see a lot of stuff related to theme parks. I see a lot of stuff about like do this at Disney, do that, and it's just basic fucking tips, right? Like. Oh, you know, like these are the cheapest restaurants. Why do I need your goddamn Instagram account to tell me that? Like, isn't that an easy thing for me to figure out? But that's how people exist nowadays. 
And so if it's not on there saying what Six Flags is, they can't research it themselves because they honestly don't know how. Because from the time they're little, they're told this is how to think or not even this is how to think. This is what to think is what they're told. Next product. Right. Which I think that leads into uh, all the trailers we have this week, right? (laughs) Let's find out. Actually, I think it, uh, (laughs) I think uh, you could argue all five of them. Yeah. Are that so? Usually, I post the trailers in on Saturdays. We record on Sundays. I usually do it the day before. It's because I want to hear your thoughts. I want you to go in there and say, "Hey, this is what I think about the trailers." Because we're gonna read some thoughts this week, or maybe you know you just want to watch all the trailers before we record, or watch all the trailers after we you know after we record or after you listen to our recording, or as you're listening, maybe you want to watch a trailer. We talk about it. Watch a trailer. We talk about it. Trailer takedown. First trailer. Samaritan is a prime movie, although I wish this one was released in theaters. I'm kind of hoping it's going to be, but I don't know. I'd like to see this in theaters. Starring Sylvester Stallone, who is a uh, aged superhero who's not participating in heroics anymore. And then a kid discovers who he is. And I'm assuming um, he inspires him to be a hero again, right? Uh, we had Midsider Patrick say this is similar. To, it looks interesting. Could have something to say. Similar to Watchmen and others. And he likes the setting of a collapsing society for superheroes. Uh, I think it's you know po- past Watchmen for that reason, right? It's almost post-apocalyptic, which is which is interesting. And in regards to what Patrick is saying, I liked the way that I don't know. It kind of felt romantic in the setting. And what I mean by that is the execution of the sets. They weren't trying to be realistic with it. And I liked that. Uh, Midsider GS tackled it. Uh, he said Stallone is going to be more of an anti-hero than a hero. And it looks grim and gritty. Uh, I didn't think it looked that grim and gritty. I, I just think the execution of it was too bright for that. I mean, grim and gritty is like naturalism to me. To me, where the crawdads sing was more gr- grim and gritty. And then... Midsider Edjo here had what I felt about it. He said it has a little bit of an unbreakable feel to it. The premise is very similar to Unbreakable, isn't it? This guy who's invulnerable needs a little kid to help him want to be a hero because he's sort of, you know, disillusioned with society. I don't know. I thought this was perfect for Stallone. It was kind of like Rocky. You know, if you ever saw Rocky Balboa, it's kind of that meets a, a superhero movie sort of meets Falling Skies. Uh, with the, the the setting and the way it was executed, I thought this looked really good. Hug. Hug. Stallone, guns, explosions. That's all I need. Looks pretty good to me. Seems like a movie that I'd I'd be able to get behind. It's on Prime, so it's a a, a Amazon Prime and Hug for me. Netflix and Hug. Second trailer. Black Panther: Wakanda Forever is the sequel to Black Panther which is missing its star. Uh, I had to watch this trailer multiple times to figure out any semblance of a plot. Uh, the Midsiders all resoundingly rejected this, uh, mainly based upon the fact that it's Marvel, but also Midsider Patrick said, we are all women, hear us roar. Who cares? Although I do think thematically, or at least logistically, there's a reason it was done that way. Uh, unfortunately, I think this is the albatross the Black Panther series has to carry, right? So the thing about this trailer is, and this will go into the next trailer, is I thought the use of music in this trailer was 
tremendous. And that sort of speaks to my review of the original Black Panther. I think the original Black Panther is one of the best Disney Marvel movies. Sort of like I said that about Shang-Chi as well, right? It's one of the best Disney Marvel movies, right? I'm excluding the ones before Disney got involved and before Disney bought Marvel. Uh, nothing will, I don't think any of the MCU movies will ever compare to the first Iron Man movie. Yeah. And my problem with the original Black Panther is, besides, like, we can all always pick apart Marvel CGI, right? We will never compare Marvel CGI to Zack Snyder CGI. It's just not fair. My problem with it was always they had to stick on that post thing that was all about tribal and you know we had to we are our tribe and there has to be the world's tribe has to come together right it's the same thing here i think i saw Ironheart in here right the girl who's going to take over for iron man i think she was in there also neymar the guy who is the marvel aquaman was there with blue people i don't know why if you're going to release avatar disney you would let anyone under your tent pole make a movie with blue people coming out of the ocean Right, that seems like bad marketing. So there's a lot here that I think they sort of fumble a talented director and something that's worthwhile because the women with the actor dying who played Black Panther, the women are the ones who are left to deal with what's going on. Right, the men have died. Right, uh, the the uh, the villain died in the first one, Killmonger. Now Black Panther's dead in this one. So that's why it's all about that, and that makes sense logistically from the world they've created. Am I going to see this? My wife is probably going to want to see it. I don't think it's going to be terrible. So this is, is there a reluctant hug? Hmm, let's see. Probably this one. Hug. So uh, I am I have very little interest in this movie. Um, I, I, I agree with you. The, the, I think the trilogy did a good job of selling it. Um, all that being said, like the, I, I'm just so marveled out. I can't, uh, just like the other Midsider said, there's nothing here... I know it's just going to be a teaser for whatever characters they're trying to launch for the next movie. That'll just be the teaser well, for the Neymar, next one. Right? Yeah, yeah. And and I don't know. Like, this is... I don't know. It's tedious is what it is. So... Tackle. Third trailer. Shazam! Fury of the Gods is the sequel to the Zach Levi superhero movie in which... uh kid slash teenager gets the power of a character called Captain Marvel or something. I don't know what his name is. I think it's Marvel or Captain Marvel. I think it's DC's version of Captain Marvel. Yeah, Yeah, but they call him Captain Marvel, right? Or something. I don't know. I don't know. I Look, we had two people tackle this and one person hug it. And the hug was pretty much the similar reason I'm hugging it. Uh, But the, the first tackle, uh, I think it's very, very smart by Midsider Patrick here, right? So at the end of the first movie, all the teenagers get powers from the magician. So this one's all about his family, right? And there's actually a Vin Diesel joke in there, which is pretty funny, right? Which that meta self-aware leads into why I think I have more of a positive reaction to this. But, you know, Midsider Patrick said, how is adults acting like teenagers a sufficiently interesting gimmick? And he's tackling it for that. I Look, that's a great point, right? I think part of the problem with comics here is I've always said comics is like drug dealing, right? Where it's always like, what's your next fix? What's your next fix? How do we get you into the next issue? And it's also, well, what's the next gimmick we're going to use that gets you hooked on this next line? 
And that's the same thing here. We have to come up with new variations on superheroes, right? When we have these stables and we see this as, you know, we talk about corporate strategies with, you know, monthly subscription plans and things and planned obsolescence. This is the same thing. It's just in, in superhero movies. So I, you know, I can't fault Patrick for that take. It's a, it's a good take. It's a good, it's a good thought there. But me, it's just, you know, it's just a movie to see. And when GS says he didn't see the fir- he didn't enjoy the first movie, it says it looks more fun with a far better cast. Yeah, the cast is better. It does look more fun. I enjoyed the first movie. I thought it had problems, but it wasn't bad, right? It was, it was okay. It was fine. It was enjoyable. It wasn't a bad movie. It wasn't a great movie. It's right in the middle of the road. This looks better. And I think the number one thing to say about this, William, is the, the music in this trailer. We want to talk about No Woman, No Cry in the Black Panther Wakanda Forever trailer. The use of business by Eminem in this trailer and the way they remixed it and cut it is tremendous. So even if you don't want to see the movie, I think this trailer in itself is worth watching for the way it was cut on its own. I think the the, the trailer itself is almost a work of art. So I would say super hug the trailer and sort of like a middle of the road, like, okay, you know, I'll see this hug for the movie. Hug. So uh, I must admit, I did not see the first one. So uh, almost no interest in this one either. Though I will say I do like the actor. And so like maybe maybe it's worth going back and watching the first one and uh, seeing the second one. But just based on the the trailer, uh, it just barely pushes me over the edge. I think, like you said, the the trailer does a good job on this one as well. We've had a lot of bad trailers, maybe because we're watching the was it the A10 or whatever trailers a lot. But uh, this one, this one, uh, A24, A24. There you go. I I I I decreased them because they they were so shitty. But this one, yeah, this is a this one is come a on hug. the music, dude. Yeah, it's good. It's good. It sold me. Hug. Fourth trailer. Oops, that's the wrong number. Third trailer. No, that was the fourth oh, trailer. We're good, on the fourth trailer. All right, good. Yeah, that was fourth right. Fourth trailer. There we go. <laughs> I'm going to leave all of that in there because it's funny. It is funny. All right. Uh, which is, it's great. This is the fourth trailer because this is John Wick 4, right? And again, I think Patrick has a great comment here. Not sure how John Wick 4 is going to distinguish itself from John Wick 3, right? And that's... That's been my question about this franchise as it's kept going, right? Because this is a great franchise. Even watching this trailer, I was kind of like, this is what the Matrix forgot that it was, even stylistically, right? This is Keanu Reeves being cool in an action movie and killing a bunch of people, right? And it keeps escalating. And by the time we got to the third one, and again, I don't remember these two in detail, it was just like, who, like, how is this going to end? Like, the first one was very small and understated. And then they just kept increasing the size of the mythology and this world, the world building, right? Which you need to do in sequels. But it raised the question of how is this going to end? And then in the trailer, somebody said that to him. Like, where does this end, John? Even you can't kill everyone. And then I was kind of like, you know what? I don't know. I think he can. And I kind of want to see it. And hopefully that's where this franchise goes. And you know what? I want to see it, especially if they bring Lawrence Fishburne back, because I think his character died in one of the other ones. So maybe he didn't really die. I don't know. But again, I think this is what the, you know, Lawrence Fishburne, Keanu Fishburne, Keanu Reeves. Like, this is what the Matrix forgot it was. And I, I kind of want to see John Wick kill everyone. So I don't know what the plot is, but 
if it's Keanu Reeves spends three more movies killing everyone because they fucked him over and tried to kill him, good. We need more of that. Big hug. Mmm. Hug. Yes. Guns. Violence. Drama. It's exactly what you want to see. It looks like a great spectacle movie. I agree with you. There might not be a lot of catharsis on here, but this is what a summer action movie should be, right? Right? Let's watch this. Hug. Final trailer. Oppenheimer is Christopher Nolan's next movie. It's about Oppenheimer and how he changed the world. Uh, The thing that stuck out to me about here is... I thought the visuals were tremendous, even though it's a short trailer. And again, whoever cut this trailer games have been getting better recently. The way the dates and everything came up at the end based on the beats of the of the clock in the the trailer. I just thought this was very well cut. Um, There's some disagreement among midsiders whether just to give it a chance because of Christopher Nolan. Look, as someone who talks about movies and art a lot, I think if you find an artist you like, you always go to see what that person makes i mean look have i loved every christopher nolan movie no but i mean besides following come on there's some m night Shyamalan stinkers we don't all have to watch uh, avatar the last airbender for m night Shyamalan fans right right exactly and i mean i I still haven't seen after earth with will smith and jaden smith by uh m night right i've heard that's not very good right and the visit's not very good but as far as nolan the uh following and um i can't even remember the one about the the guy who goes and deals with the the killing that he didn't write, right, that he directed. Um, And Memento was fine. It wasn't one of his better ones. But everything since then, I mean, even um, Tenant, right, it wasn't great, but it was still good, right? I got what he was going for. Why would I not give him a chance? And why would I not know his reputation and see the visuals here and say, yeah, I want to see this, right? I don't need to see another trailer. Right, I didn't need to see a trailer, but this trailer made me think, okay, he's doing it again. Hug. Hug. Yep. Um, I think if you hadn't told me that this was Christopher Nolan, I think that I would have been a little bit more on the fence about it. It seemed... It, I, I don't know exactly... Is this movie about him? Is this movie about the decisions he made? It's not completely clear, and I know it's just a teaser. So there was a little bit of that. But once I found out it was a Nolan film, I was like, oh, okay. Well, like, this makes sense. Um, maybe there's something he just doesn't want to give away in the in the teaser. So a little bit of a fence-sitting hug, but still a hug. Hug. All right, William. That brings us to the end of this episode. What did we learn this trip? I learned that your flux capacitor being repaired costs less than $300. Justin, what did you I, I learned the amount of people who apparently haven't seen John Wick 1, 2, and 3, and I would say that's a mistake. I would say it's one of the better franchises yeah. that's come out recently. Now, I don't know if 2 and 3 are as good as 1, but you mentioned catharsis. I don't know. I think the entire catharsis of the series is just like people wronged him and he gets to get back at them and defend himself and he doesn't have to apologize for it and we can enjoy the gratuity of it. And I think that that doesn't yeah. exist in, in in today's society. And I think the first one has the best, best catharsis because it's so much more intimate because it's smaller scale and it's about the relationship with him and his dog. 
And because of that, you feel it a lot more. So I think, you know, things are done better as far as um, the... I'm looking for a term here, sorry. Sometimes I click slow. You know, I think there's there's more clarity there as far as, you know, what the emotional stakes are. And I think as you go through the series, it becomes less clear, which is why I was saying what I was saying about, like, where does this go? And, you know, why they had the comment of where did this go? But I think also... If they're smart, they can make that part of the character where he becomes sort of less clear. And I think they sort of did do that a little mm. bit in the third one, if I'm remembering correctly, where they were like, why are you still fighting, John Wick? Just give it up, right? Um, so I do think there's catharsis. And I think it's interesting to see, will they, that continue? And if you haven't seen the first three, I, I think you should check it out. I think it's worth it. I would I would recommend it. All right, I want to thank you all for listening. Uh, you stayed with us even through air conditioning's breaking. Uh, we had a major death. Bill Russell died. And you still stuck with us and made me feel like not a crazy person ranting into the corner in a closet. So thank you for that. Appreciate it. If you want to support us, there's always the midside.com slash Patreon, the midside.com slash locals. Uh, there's midside.com slash store. I'm supposed to make a t-shirt about this is my activism t-shirt at some point. Uh, hopefully I can get to that in the next couple weeks. Uh, you can also buy my book, themidside.com slash the cut. And the best way is to tell a friend. The best way to grow the show, the best way to support us is to tell a friend. We need to start growing this audience more. I think the show's been getting better as of late. I've been feeling better about it. Maybe my self-esteem has just gone up. I don't know. This concludes your journey into the midside. I'm Justin Emlesneski reminding you that if things get tough, Take a step back and witness the farce. Hello, ladies. Have a day. Reason number 4,521 why we're going to be canceled. You bragging about your air condition repair while people are dying in the heat wave in Europe because they don't have any air condition. Yeah, but that's, I mean, they're European white colonizers, so that's what they deserve. Uh, oh. See how I, I just about that. worked myself back? Thank you, Portland. Yeah. Isn't that why we came yeah. to America, though, so that didn't happen to us? For air condition? Yes, we came to America for air condition. That's, that's, I learned that in the 1419 Project.